Maybe some of you are old enough to remember December 7th, 1941, when Pearl Harbor was attacked. More of us, most of us probably, can remember September 11th, 2001. But I want you to imagine, if, if you can, and I think it's important for us to understand the story of Jesus, we have to at least try to imagine what it might be like if if your country, if our country was attacked in a way that makes those other attacks pale in comparison. Imagine, if you will, a foreign empire attacking our East Coast and destroying everything there, destroying Washington, D.C., and then sweeping across the country and destroying every United States military base and stronghold and capturing the entire country. And then going about restoring and rebuilding, maybe rebuilding Washington, D.C., and setting up sort of a a puppet government that was loyal to this empire. And and then all throughout the country, you could see see sort of flags and military presence of this empire, and they've sort of brought this country under their rule and reign. And then imagine their, their sort of their worldview and their morality and their religious thinking sort of seep into our country. And then that be the case for generation after generation after generation. You would sort of feel like there was this, this dark cloud over your country. You see, you, you've got to sort of try to understand and imagine what that might be like, what that might feel like in order to understand how the Jewish people felt, how Israel felt. Because for generation after generation after generation, for hundreds of years, they had been under Assyrian Empire, and then the Babylonian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Persian Empire before that, and then Greece, and then Rome. There was this sort of darkness, this night that they had suffered under, for generations and generations. They were told by the prophets that this was because of their forefather's sin, but that a Savior would come and would redeem them, restore them. And there were some who doubted, and there were some who didn't believe, and there were some who even gave their allegiance to the darkness. And there were others who believed And they believed against belief. They believed against hope, even when it seemed hopeless, that these were just stories passed down from parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. They believed from generation to generation. They waited. They waited for the night to end and a new day to dawn. And if you can sort of wrap your mind around that feeling of what it might feel like, to suffer in the darkness. As the song we sang a few minutes ago said, to suffer in exile for generation after generation after generation, waiting for a new day to dawn. Then you can begin to understand the story of Jesus. We're going to look this morning at three different songs 
from Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2. There's three beautiful songs. And, and here's what I'm afraid sometimes we do when we read the gospel accounts. We, we like to get right into the action, don't we? We want to see what happened and how did it happen and when did it happen. And sometimes we sort of skip over the introductory material. The, the genealogies and sort of the dialogues and all of that. But when we do that, we miss the point. And I'm afraid, I'm really afraid that for years I've missed the whole point of the good news and what these gospel writers were really communicating, what it meant for the people in the first century to say the Messiah is here. Our hopes our dreams, our longings, our anticipations are fulfilled in him. And so we have to understand that Luke is putting these, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is putting these right here in the introduction so that you understand who Jesus is and what it is that Jesus accomplishes. By coming into the world. So look first at the, the song of Mary. We actually just sang it a few minutes ago. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. Let's read it. Luke 1, 46. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. I mean, again, if you're suffering in night as a, as a nation, as a people, waiting for a new day to dawn, and God tells you, this young virgin, that you're going to be the one to bring the day bringer, to bring the light bearer into the world. Wow. What an honor. You'd think, why me? Why Why me for such an honor? Verse 49, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy, listen to this, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Verse 52, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has, here, here, listen, this is the mission of Jesus. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. The birth of Jesus, the birth of the Messiah, of God's anointed one meant God has not forgotten you, Israel. He has not forgotten the promises that he made to you. He knew that you were suffering in darkness. He knew that he promised that the light would come, the new day would dawn, and that day is Upon us, his mercy he has remembered. In order to understand this, we've got to think back even to to moments like the Exodus. Do you remember before Moses came and brought the people of Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land? They were crying, they were crying out to God. Have you forgotten us? 
That's what you cry out when you're in the darkness, isn't it? That's what you cry out when you're hurting. That's what you cry out when you're in pain. That's what you cry out when Satan is attacking you. God, where are you? Have you forgotten me? And the birth of Jesus meant God has not forgotten his promises to Israel that he would have mercy on them and that the night would end and a new day would dawn. Because this Jesus is the light bringer. He is the dawn of a new day. Now look at Luke chapter 1, verse, verse, starting in verse 67. This is the song of Zechariah. And you remember Zechariah is the father of John the baptizer. And John has just been born. And Zechariah prophesies not only about John's ministry, but more importantly for us, the ministry of, of Jesus, the Messiah. It says verse 67, and his father, John's, John's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has, listen to this, he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Verse 70, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we should be saved. Now listen, listen to this, and then just kind of wrestle with it for a moment. He's saying that, that this is what Jesus is going to accomplish. That we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve, listen, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And then, and then he speaks about John. And you, child, you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, listen, whereby the sunrise, isn't that good? The tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, now we might be able to sort of wrap our mind around the idea when we put Jesus in sort of our categories, that Jesus is the light bringer and that the night was ending and a new day was dawning. But how is it? How is it that Jesus, this Messiah, was to save Israel and the Gentile nations even from their enemies and from the hand of all those who hate them? How is it that Jesus... How is it that Jesus, the, the meek and lowly Jesus, the one who doesn't kill enemies but is killed by enemies, how is it that he delivers his people from their enemies? Well, if, if you were to keep reading in Luke, I, I won't read you the whole book, but I, I encourage you as I always do, go read the whole book. You'll find that that Luke and the other gospel writers as well, but you can really see it in Luke, help us to understand that 
that the real enemy isn't, isn't Rome. Now, Rome is an enemy. And the Roman soldiers that oppress and hurt and murder, they're enemies. But there's a greater enemy behind them. An enemy of darkness that gives them their power. But, but, but that enemy, who is the great dragon, who is Satan, is not only behind Rome, but it's behind every, every pain and every heartache. As you read through the book of Luke, you see that, that sickness and that poverty and hunger That there's a power behind all of those, just as there's a power behind Rome. And it's the same power, it's the same enemy, it's the same darkness, it's Satan. In, in, In Luke chapter 13 and verse 16, there's a woman who's bent over, she can't straighten up, and she's been that way for 18 years. But the text doesn't just say, hey, she had this illness, she's been over for 18 years. It says that she was bound by Satan for 18 years. And then when Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus, Luke chapter 22, it says that Satan entered him. See, there's this, there's this force, this power of darkness that is behind all of the sickness and all of the poverty, all of the demon possession, all of the death, all of the destruction This power of Satan is behind it all. And when Jesus goes out into Israel and he feeds the hungry, not not like a metaphor or something, he literally feeds the hungry. He puts food in their hungry stomachs. When he releases people from being bound by Satan for 18 years, in that he helps them straighten up and walk upright. He heals people that can't walk. He gives sight to people that are blind. He raises the dead. What Jesus is doing is dismantling the power of darkness. He's dismantling the kingdom of Satan. And then as he gives power to his apostles to go out and do the same things, to heal, to cast out demons, Satan's power, Satan's kingdom is being dismantled before their very eyes. And then, ultimately, in giving his life as an atoning sacrifice, he releases all of his people from Satan's bondage so that Satan no longer has the power of death so that his people can know that when they die, they will ultimately be resurrected just as he is. Now imagine what that does for a people who know that if you kill me, I'm just going to come back to life when he comes back. That takes away all the fear of death, doesn't it? That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. There is no fear in death because we have victory through Jesus Christ. He dismantles all of Satan's kingdom. And then you say, but but Wes... Well, then how come there are, how come there's still death? And how come there's still cancer? And how come there's still poverty? And how come there's still people that are sick and people that are hurting? And and Jesus explained all of that, didn't he? He explained that the kingdom of God, it isn't just like it's going to be night today and then 
immediately it's going to be bright daylight and everything's going to be fixed and perfect. He explained that the kingdom of God would grow slowly, like a small seed that was planted. He explained that the kingdom, the rule and the reign of God, the the day breaking into the world was going to grow slowly like leaven works its way through an entire piece of dough. You see, he, he says he's the light of the world, but he also says that his followers, that we are the light of the world. And you see, when, when we go about doing good, feeding the hungry, helping the sick, when we go about doing good in the name of Jesus, when we help people to give their life to Jesus by being baptized into him, we are participating in dismantling the kingdom of darkness and bringing about the light. We are exposing what's in the darkness and bringing light to the whole world that the glory and the knowledge of God might fill the entire earth, that God's will might be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're doing. We get to not only come into the kingdom of light, but we get to help in spreading the light throughout the world and participate in helping to end the night and bring in the day. Look at the song last of Simeon, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25. Now, Simeon was an older man that was waiting just as Zechariah was, just as Mary was, just as all the remnant of Israel, the faithful, were doing, they were waiting. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for, listen to this, I love this phrase, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, when you, you understand it in this context, When you understand what Luke is saying that Jesus is going to do, that he's going to come into the world and for Israel and for all those who believe in him, for all those who put their faith in him, he's going to end the night and bring the day. He's going to tell that remnant, that faithful that had, as Mary said, feared him from generation to generation, I remember you. I remember my covenant to you. I remember of my mercy that I promised to you. Then you understand why, why Simeon would say, or why I would say about Simeon that he's waiting for the consolation. That means the comfort, the comfort of Israel. And that's what, that's what Jesus would do. That's what Jesus was there to do. Not only to comfort the remnant of Israel who would put their faith in him, but all all the people of every nation who would put their faith in him. Verse 26, And it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for Jesus according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, Now you are letting your servant depart in peace. I can die now in peace according to your words. Why? Because my eyes have seen 
your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a, I love the way it says, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. The Gentiles will now have a knowledge of who you are. The day is dawning on the whole world, and even the Gentiles will be drawn to you and for glory to your people Israel. Those who have feared Him generation after generation, those who have kept their faith in Him, would be glorified. Their shame would be taken away. And they would be honored in the Messiah. You know, we're in the time of year where no matter what street you drive down or no matter what television program you're watching or no matter where you are, you you can almost not be very far from a manger scene, right? And and in order to really understand why that has any significance for anyone, because sometimes I don't think we even know why that has significance. What does that mean? In order to really understand it, you've got to kind of put yourself in the shoes of the people of the first century before Jesus came into the world. You've got to understand the hope, the expectation the anticipation of a people who had spent generation after generation after generation after generation for hundreds of years in the night, in the darkness. And that baby lying in a manger is the first ray of light of a new day dawning. So when you... When you think about Jesus, whether that be Jesus lying in a manger or Jesus hanging on a cross or Jesus ascended to the right hand of God, understand what that means. That means that the day of evil is drawing to an end. The day of evil is drawing to an end. We all are still experiencing the day of evil, aren't we? We all do. And we all have. Whether that's medically or in our grief and our heartache and our broken families and our tears and our regrets, we've all experienced the day of night. But the coming of Jesus means that the day of night is drawing to an end and a new day has already begun to dawn. And that in the age to come, because that's how the New Testament writers talk about it, all of the works of Satan will be destroyed, including the last enemy, which is death. Satan and all of his minions and all of his works and all of his heartbreak and all of his power, all of it cast into a lake of fire. His day is drawing to an end. And a new day has already begun to dawn. And for those of us that are Christians, we've been delivered out of the darkness and into the light. You see, but, but our job doesn't start, doesn't stop there. Our job is to go out into the world and to be the light of the world, to shine the light of Jesus, to bring this new day to our friends and our family and our neighbors. See, sometimes I grew up in a small church. Small, and many of you did. 
And so sometimes the, the idea of a lot of, a lot of Christians sometimes makes us a little bit uncomfortable. There's a lot of people. But with all due respect to me and anybody else that feels that way, it's not about our feelings of comfort. It's about our mission. And our mission is to bring light into the world. Our mission is to participate in this new day that's dawning. And our neighbors need to hear the message of Jesus that the day of darkness is drawing to an end and a new day is dawning and they too can be delivered out of darkness and into the light. I want I want the hundreds and thousands of people in our community, I want them to hear about Jesus, for them to understand what it really means for the Messiah to have come into the world, to have offered himself as a sacrifice for us, and to reign over heaven and earth. I want us to be the ones to take that message into the world, that is our good news that gives us hope and gives us reason to rejoice, but it's also our mission. Go and tell the world that a new day has already begun to dawn. And maybe there's somebody here and you're ready to be delivered out of the darkness and into the light. Or maybe you just need prayers or encouragement. After services, our shepherds would love to meet with you. Or right now, come forward as together we stand and sing.